like the the reality of climate change is like too real for me to like join an army getting group it's like yeah i mean the, my army getting group is my life everybody and welcome back to hate spinner bait the podcast where we hate spinner bait but we love when sarah dessen features us on a hard post y'all not just as stories this time but a hard post on instagram yay she like was messaging with michael mann can you imagine like literally our inner like you know 14 15 i mean as grown adults we're really excited but if you were to tell like little teenage bethany that this was happening but anyways hi i'm bethany for all of you who are not aware and with me as always is michael ann who just got back from her bachelorette party Woo-woo. how was it looked super fun how was the old dollywood oh my god it was amazing like we got a cabin so there's like cabins that are associated with dollywood we got one of those it overlooked the smoky mountains there was a swing and i just sat outside and like read and hung out with my friends and we just like totally vibed and it was so relaxing and so nice and then at the end of the trip i went to a little independent bookstore and i found a signed copy of a sarah Dessen book so that was exciting it was like fate. Yes, that is. That's a cherry on the top for sure. That is 100% the cherry on the top of a great bachelor weekend. Y'all, since we last joined you, which again, I would just like to apologize for the really wonky uh, audio <laughs> once again of last week's episode. We tried our best to give you something. We took a little week hiatus because we had a big exciting things going on, mostly my plan with her bachelorette party, but also I was just super busy with life, starting a new job and everything. It, it just was, we needed that little hiatus. But yeah, in this hiatus, a lot has happened. Lot. Namely, the fact that we're like basically best friends with Sarah Dessen. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Sarah, hey girl. And we just met a whole bunch of you. Uh, hopefully for, for some of you, this might be the first episode you're catching. Um, if you haven't gone and listened back to our back catalog, um, and we, yeah, we've gotten a lot of more uh, attention and that's really exciting. And hopefully you guys enjoy this and took along for the ride of us reading through these books. You've came in at a very good time because we're in my personal favorite, The Truth About Forever. But yeah, we were just very giddy, like watching our Instagram count, just like absolutely skyrocket and yeah, just like getting the love from Sarah. And again, I just want to shout out CC one more time because just in case anyone is unclear, we did not make that awesome spreadsheet. I wish we were that cool, but we're not. That actually comes from one of our listeners, CC. She's in our Discord. She's really awesome. If that isn't a plug for you to come join our Discord, I don't know what is. You can come talk to the the legend herself, CC, who came up with this. But yeah, she had this and was very kind enough to share because we've been kind of going through the books and being like, oh, here's a little Easter egg. Here's a little like past shout out. And that's really great. And I loved Sarah's post when she kind of explained, which makes total sense. Like she has lived in the same town her entire life. And it would just seem so natural to her that you would run into an ex at the gas station or something like that. 
So that was really fantastic. But again, I just wanted to give a shout out to CC because yeah, I just think it's amazing that spreadsheet, we are obsessed with it. We like are so grateful for it and she's awesome. And yeah, if you found us because of her great spreadsheet, then thank you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. CC was one of our first Discord members as well. She's been with us since like the beginning. She's an OG. So shout out CC. Yeah, started from the bottom. Now we're here. (laughs) But yeah, so without further ado, I think it's time to recap. I'm very excited. I today (laughs) made myself laugh in the shower, y'all. It's a true story. (laughs) Because I was thinking about last episode and just thinking about the, you know, because I was kind of recapping in my head what we've read so far. And I just thought about the the map quest. Like, we love map quest. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I don't know why I wrote we love this. And I just was like thinking about that this morning and I was cracking myself up. I probably look like a crazy person because I'm just laughing to myself in the shower. But I hope y'all enjoyed that as much as I did because I think it's the funniest thing. We put that on merch. We love Mexico. It won't make any sense, but but it will. Oh, yeah. Some business for you guys. We um, are opening a store soon. We have some merch designs on there. It'll be Shopify. So we'll have that link in our bio and our episode notes and our link tree and all of that good stuff. So you'll be able to get stickers and mugs and probably t-shirts. We'll <laughs> see. Also, if you wanted to join our Patreon, now is a good time because when I was at that bookstore last week, I found a fiction novel written by Britney Spears and her mother did not know it existed. We'll be reading it and recapping it on a Patreon exclusive episode so I'm so excited. Join us. I'm truly, I cannot wait to hear. Do you know what year it was written? Oh, no. And I left it in the other room. I'm, I'm so, we'll, we'll find out soon. And everyone that comes in, hangs out with us on Patreon, you'll find out soon. So if that doesn't entice you, seriously, I don't know what will. All right. Without further ado, recap us. Yes. Okay. So I went in on this recap because we've been, we've been gone for a little while. So here we go. So, truth about forever. Our main character is Macy. Her big thing is she was there when her dad died. This was about one and a half years before the story starts. Um, so she, her and her dad loved running together. She was on the track team. He was a coach. Um, and ever since he died while running, she doesn't really do that anymore. She was dating this guy named Jason, who's quote unquote perfect. He made her take his job at the library over while he was at brain camp for the summer and then dumped her via email because she told him she loved him. So go to therapy, Jason. Please. And then we have... So then Macy starts working nights at a catering company named Wish Catering um, to kind of find herself again. She kind of ran into this by accident. And there are a cast of characters working at that catering company. We have Christy and Monica, who are sisters. Christy is very eccentric. She has wild fashion. She has a great outlook on life. She's very fun. And Monica is very monotoned, kind of laid back, doesn't say a lot. And then we have Bert and Wes, who are brothers and the nephews of the owner of the catering company, Delilah. 
Bert is just delightful. We have to get one name wrong every time, Delia. Oh my God. <laughs> it isn't a true hate spinner hate recap until we get a name wrong or forget a name or something. Oh my God. What is there, Delilah? What's it like in New York City? <laughs> I've been reading it, Delilah, this whole time in my head. Anyway, so Bert and Wes are brothers. Their mom died. Their dad walked out on them. So Wes kind of takes care of Bert. Bert just got this really awesome new car. It is a old um, ambulance. So she, her and Wes are kind of, they're both on like a break from kind of bad relationships. And they're kind of starting to... uh hang out a little bit. And then finally, we have the family dynamic. She has a sister who is very well adjusted named Caroline. She's married to a, a little bit older of a guy. Um, what's his name? Wally. Wally. I knew it was something like that. Wally. He's a lawyer. So she lives in Atlanta, but she is kind of trying to get Macy and her mom to work through their grief that they have been avoiding by redoing their dad's beach house mom is kind of rejecting this whole moving through the grief thing she's kind of trying to like run away from it but caroline's like no we're doing this we're doing this so that's where we're at how old are they on do you remember speaking of delia do you remember that like catalog delia's that used to be able to order clothes from because i was obsessed. i've so i to this day own some delia stuff i was obsessed i was sad when they went out of business they were great they still exist. I think they went out of business. I promise you. Do they still exist? I'm Googling it right now. Because I remember like I'm seeing sure. this thing that like, maybe they went out of business and came back. Let's see. So they were, they were um, in the mall. I used to go to the Delia's store. Oh no, they did a... And they're doing like a, um, oh, Delia's gun shop. I'm in the South. <laughs> they, they just did a collaboration with that website. Dolls, dolls kill. That's what I saw. Uh, it, like it got gosh, like a yeah. ad. But yeah, they don't exist. Yes, anymore. I am seeing that now. Dolls kill comes up a lot. Oh, what are those boots? Those are cute. <laughs> now that I'm just online shopping. Yeah, I look forward to getting those catalogs. I own so many things. Again, I think in my closet that I still have a, like a jacket or a shirt or something from Delia's. I love Delia's. Um, Same. 10 out of 10. They're great. Mm -hmm. Absolutely fantastic. I also feel like there was something else I was going to say about... First, I have to remind you of the is the ambulance story coming later, or is are you ready oh, to tell that now? Let me tell it right now. So, my good friend who was at my bachelorette party last weekend and fan of the show, Emmy, she her dad is also kind of eccentric, but she was telling me a story about how when she was younger, her dad bought a ambulance and drove them around in the ambulance for like i think she said a year or a couple of years so <gasps> hells yeah were they just on a couch in the back very dangerously <laughs> <laughs> no i think it was like like it still looked like an ambulance too like oh, the stripes you. were on the side and everything but obviously like everything was taken off that needed to be taken off to legally drive it but yeah she said that that was their car for a little while which i was like oh my god every single there were so many times during my bachelorette party 
that I was like, oh my God, that reminds me of Sarah Dustin. Oh my God, that reminds me of Sarah <laughs> Dustin. And I'm like, I am in too deep. I'm in so deep with Sarah Dustin at this point. I th- I think you're in just the right amount. I think so too. There is no, there is no too deep. We're, we are in the deep end, but it's a good place to be. You know, we've, We've passed all of our swimming courses. We're ready to be in the <laughs> Also, on the never-ending list of things, and mark this down. Someone make me a spreadsheet of all the questions we're asking Sarah one day when we get her on the show. On the never-ending list of questions, this is another one that I have. In your recap, this is what made me think of it, the Atlanta thing. Twice now, like, rich people have been from Atlanta. So I was like, does Sarah doesn't just, like, associate the city of Atlanta with rich people? Because in uh, that summer... The Ashley's, like, you know, her fiance's parents were rich and they were coming up from Atlanta. And now Wally is quite well-to-do. And Caroline, who, of course, is now married to him, is quite well-to-do. And they live in live in Atlanta. So I'm like, I just think that's interesting that evidently all rich people live in Atlanta. You're right. But in that summer, wasn't her husband's family originally from New York? I can't remember. I think so. I don't think they were originally from Atlanta. They, like, moved down there. In How to Deal, they made them extremely Southern with a black maid. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They're really racist, yes. Yeah. Who can forget? Yes. Yeah, I think you're right. I think in the actual book, they are not originally from Atlanta. So that's interesting with that. Yeah. And then randomly in the movie, it's like, wow, golly gee, darling, you want to go drink the mint juleps on on the veranda? This is our woman we've employed. She raised our child. She raised our child. That's normal, right? And it's like, oh, God, this is so racist. <laughs> it's so racist. Oh. You know what? How to, how to deal, besides your uh, random casual racism that has not aged well, hmm. you're an all right movie. <laughs> it was all right. It was all right. Listen to our recap. Go back in time and listen to our how to deal recap. It is probably unhinged, as all of our episodes are. Which we thought would only we would only need one episode. We needed two episodes. <laughs> Typical. And this is why we do things three chapters at a time now, y'all, because we take way too long to discuss it. Oh, chapter ten. Let's hit it. So it starts off with my mother was stressed. Talks a little bit about how she used to be really good at decompressing. She would just sit on the back deck of the beach house and hang out and stare out into the wilderness or the wilderness, the beach. And, but ever since her dad died, it's been kind of crazy. Um, they're building this, uh, housing development called wildflower Ridge. They're working on some high, I almost said high income. What am I trying to say? Some fancy rich people townhouses. I mean, some high income. Yes. You know what? If we can call housing low income, why can't we call like rich people houses high income? Right here. You heard it here for first, folks. We're making it a thing. Yeah, I just, it makes sense to me in my head. <laughs> so we have the high income townhouses. She's a little stressed about it because the um, economy is starting to go down. So she's worried that it's not going to sell. Um, and also, it's like, get ready because this is the beginning of the end of the economy. Yeah. I'm like, oh, you're worried about it in 2004? Just wait until 2008 there. Yep. And not to mention 2023. Just wait for that as well. Just wait for it all. If only you all knew. (laughs) If only you all knew. But anyway, yeah, she's stressed. And Caroline's trying to get her to commit to a 
vacation she's like you need a vacation we need to chill when the house is done on the beach we're all gonna go to our beach house and speaking of a high income housing (laughs) and relax so they got her to settle on a on august 7th through the 15th or the 8th through the 15th they're gonna go on vacation and it's gonna be a thing it's gonna be nice also i'm so sorry everyone i'm sick so if I at any point sound like I'm nasally, it's because I am. It's it's cute, though. You got a good Emma Stone thing going on. Oh, she still hasn't told her mom that her and Jason broke up, by the way. I don't know why. Well, we kind of see later that it's like this whole perfect girl Macy thing is more even more for her mother's benefit than it is for her yeah. own. Like, yeah, she's trying to convince herself she's doing good, but she's also trying to convince her mom that she's like, yeah i think she like doesn't want to be a burden on her mother which again it's like Mm -hmm. not something i think it's obviously it's fair to be empathetic to your mother you know if you're a teenage girl or a teenager period and you went through this traumatic thing like i think it's fair to be like i know i'm not the only one in my family grieving like my sister also lost a dad my mother lost her husband but it's still i feel like at no point should be to the point where yeah, like, I don't know, like, it's a job for like, yes, I think, as human beings, we should worry about our parents, because they're also people and we care about them. But it's your parents job at the end of the day, especially when you are still coming of age to be concerned about you and not, yeah, her, I feel like sometimes Macy is more concerned about how her mother is and her mother is concerned about how she's doing, I guess. Yeah, definitely. She's very wrapped up in like her own grief that she's just completely ignoring 100 percent. yeah so then we get some more information about how her and wes are friends now ever since they're friends now ever since they're a stranded time keep telling yourself that macy keep telling yourself that you're friends (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. quote unquote friends they're playing truth outside and this is when oh this is when yeah they're so they're playing truth outside and this is basically when macy kind of calls him out and is like what does it feel like to have every single girl that you interact with just absolutely swoon over you and he's all like i don't really notice it and she's like the game is called truth (laughs) and then he does kind of have to admit that he you know like he notices it but it's like not something that like affects him or he doesn't like he tries not to let it affect him he doesn't try to make it like you know give him a a big head so to speak yeah and he's also like is this the part where he says it's not really about it's not real because they're just looking at like my face yeah yeah which I do like this part. <laughs> I wrote a note here on page 190. Because, yeah, she's asking him, she's like, what does it feel like to be gorgeous? And he's like, um, again, he said, as the parking lot girls pass by behind both of us, I wouldn't know. You tell me. And I was like, smooth operator. Look at you, Wes. You little charmer. Like, he's like, mm, I don't know. You tell me, girl. You're gorgeous. And I was like, oh, my God. It made me blush a little bit. <laughs> Then when you read this, did you start singing Gorgeous by Taylor Swift? Because I did. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, obviously. Gorgeous. 
And, and I love that that's how she explained it. I, so I just feel like sometimes, which again is like why I love that like Taylor Swift song, A, because it's catchy. But I also love when men are described as gorgeous because they're just like, like usually it's not something that, you know, you associate with masculinity as saying gorgeous. It's like, oh, you're handsome or you're rugged or whatever. But no, there are just men who are beautiful. They are gorgeous. And like, that is what they should be called. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I'm trying to think of one right now. Zach Efron. I mean, yeah, he's a pretty boy. Like through and through. He's pretty uh, can we, if this, even with his new face. Even his new, oh my god, seriously. Is this where we also just fangirl again over Milo Ventimiglia? <laughs> oh my god. That man is Milo. gorgeous. Like, he's just gorgeous. There's a lot of gorgeous men out there. So yeah, yeah, he's kind of saying that, and she's kind of saying like, oh, you're the boy all the girls want to rebel with. And he comes back at her and he says, you are the unattainable girl in homeroom who never gives the guy the time of day. So I kind of like that he keeps like putting it back on her a little bit and also going with that like perfect, like she's, you know, like wants to be perfect and, and how it's like a, an unattainable thing. But then, yeah, at the um, end of the conversation, that is where he basically is like, it's not real. Like just someone passing by, like they don't know me. Like they, they think they, they have this idea of me. They think I'm cute or whatever, but like, that's, that's not a real thing. And yeah, I just, I, I like this conversation a lot. On my drive to and from Dollywood, um, or uh, one of the drives, I was listening to the You're Wrong About episode about um, the criminal justice system for children. And Mm. like, I was just listening to that today. Yeah, and like reform (laughs) schools. And I was like, oh my God, Wes went to a reform school. And we find out later that they he didn't get to go home when he found out his mom had cancer and stuff. And it's like, for what? For being a teenager and making a mistake? Like, Like a really dumb thing. Like his first offense, he had never done anything prior, which again, I don't even like believe in that because this is, yeah, but... But also, yeah, it's literally his first offense. And again, it was something in, in the We Wrong About episode, they talk about the fact that like we punish teens for things we would never punish adults for, like loitering or, you know, different things like that. Like they, they're, I guess they technically broke in. I mean, no one, it was an empty house, but they technically broke into this empty house or whatever. So that is, I guess, something we would punish adults for, but like not really, you know what I mean? And so, yeah, it just, it is kind of crazy. The things that like loitering and like, little petty theft and stuff and it's like you would never charge an adult for that crime the teenagers it's like the whole gateway drug thing they're like these are the gateway crimes if they're willing to loiter in front of a store they're gonna murder someone someday and it's like no no they're just dumb kids (laughs) cut them some slack Mm -hmm. they're just dumb teenage boys like get yeah come on have some like compassion but yeah, I can't imagine what Wes did was so not worth the punishment of not being able to go home when he found out that his mom was sick. Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's where it is. So then they're talking about... Oh, and then she said, like, what is real for you if it's not, like, girls looking at you for your looks? And he says, I don't know, just because someone's pretty doesn't mean she's decent or vice versa. I'm not into appearances. I like flaws. I think they make things interesting. And this kind of, like, blows Macy away because she's so obsessed with, like, perfectionism and Jason was really into being perfect and those girls at the library and her mom. And now she's like, wow, saying stuff like that, 
you're off the charts attractive which i'm like oh my god macy you have like already grown so much you're just like saying you called him gorgeous now you're saying he's off the charts like even if you're teasing him a little it's like but it's still a little bit true you know yeah like those are things you clearly Mm -hmm. think if you're saying them and that's bold of her to say in a good way like I'm proud of her for being able to have this conversation I'm proud of both like this conversation I guess the game in general which is the whole point of truth is it brings up kind of some awkward things. Like, you know, they're talking about her perfection. They're talking about his good looks. And these are like certain things you don't talk about with people. Yeah. Like, you're, you know, you don't usually go to and you're like, how does it feel to be beautiful? Mm-hmm. Like, that's not a normal conversation. You're not allowed to bring those subjects up. Or how do you, like, why did you stop running? Oh, because your dad died. Like, these are very, like, sometimes it's dealing with trauma. Sometimes it's just dealing with awkward stuff. But it's a very interesting way to get to know someone. That's for sure. They kind of go right past the small talk and right into the deep stuff. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of says, like, what's so, like, why are you so obsessed with being perfect? And she basically explains, like, it's not about being perfect. It's it's about being in control. And then she basically explains what we were talking about earlier. Like, when her dad died, it felt like everything was shaky and out of control. And so she needed to focus on being in control, being safe. It's, like, very standard, like, anxiety disorder stuff, too. It's, like, okay, if or, like, OCD. It's, like, if I do everything perfectly, right. nothing bad will happen kind of thing. No, totally. And Wes is, like, there's no such thing as being perfect. You're never going to be perfect. And they kind of start getting into this. And then Monica comes up and is, like, it's curfew. Actually, all she says is curfew. Let's not act like she said more words than she did. <laughs> Let's not let's not add any extra words. She gets straight to the point. We respect you for that, Monica. I also did like earlier in this conversation, speaking of Monica, when Macy uses a Monica-ism to talk to Wes when he's like acting like he doesn't know that he's gorgeous and she's like, don't even. <laughs> and I was like, yes, pulling out a Monica. Mm-hmm. Which also is so true. Like there are so many things and you don't even realize it until that you like pick up from your friends and you just say, and... It, it just it's funny like you're like oh you can tell she's really hanging out with these people she started to kind of like pick up their little quirks and I love that mm-hmm. and then she starts talking about how much she hates the info desk which like I'm just waiting for her to quit this stupid ass job what a waste of time seriously but on this particular day she is crossing the periodical room and Christy jumps out and again Chrissy is a style icon with a white pleather skirt a pink short sleeve fuzzy sweater and her white go-go boots yes I mean she's iconic she really is I just want to I want to get like a Christy outfit and go out into the world dressed as Christy one day I'm gonna, bold. I'm gonna do it you should channel her when you go to uh Taylor Swift yes I should I'm gonna do it. I'm rocking up in Atlanta, where apparently all rich people live. <laughs> it's yeah. up in France. <laughs> I'm channeling my inner Christie, and it's gonna be a really good time. I'm excited. I love that. I oh, I haven't said this on the podcast yet, but if oh, you've been yeah, listening, you if you've been listening to our episodes, you know that I did not get Eris tour tickets. I didn't even try because I didn't want to deal with that frustration and then be upset but a couple weeks ago I got a Instagram message from someone I used to work with at Cinderella's Royal Table in Magic Kingdom 
And she said, I have an extra Taylor Swift ticket and I've been meaning to offer it to you because I know how much you want to go. So now I'm going to Philly on May 13th to see our girl Taylor Swift. Woo, 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 woo. Look, Disney's still making dreams come true, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I have not seen this girl since we worked together and that was in like 2014 and I haven't barely talked to her you know just some social media interactions um it might be weird I'm staying at her house but you know what (laughs) I don't even care I think it's gonna be a great time it's worth it for Taylor and that is super sweet that she thought that someone she hasn't even like really interacted with in years she thought like hey I know you like Taylor I've got this ticket come on down the price is right like that's honestly very awesome I know I felt I was like, oh my gosh, you're my Taylor Swift angel. <laughs> you're my Taylor Swift fairy godmother. Taking it back to CRT there for you. Little Cinderella reference. Ooh. You know what I watched the other day, speaking of Cinderella, which apparently, I, it's like I knew that its anniversary was coming up or something, but I rewatched Ever After like a week ago, and now they're doing all these things like on the Drew Barrymore show like for the anniversary, and I had no idea, which also makes me feel old that that movie is 25 years old, but we're not going to get into that. And it honestly, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it, everyone. My favorite version of Cinderella of all time. I love that movie. <laughs> Me and my sisters oh. had it on VHS. We like wore that tape out. We watched it so much. I snapped like I'm lame. I used to everyone. Um, well, I don't know. Is that lame? I feel like I feel like it's kind of gone out of fashion, but I'm still on it every day. So I'm cool. Whatever. So we have a family Snapchat, group Snapchat, and there's this scene at the beginning of that movie where the one guy she gets, basically, he's about to go be, like, sold into slavery, essentially. I mean, they called it indentured servitude, but, you know, mm. uh, it's slavery. It's called Spade of Spade. And she goes and saves him because she pretends to be a rich person and whatever. And so the other maids are, like, outside cleaning and they see her and the one lady, like, makes the noise and she's like, oh, oh, and me and my sisters used to think it was so funny because we thought she, like, sounded like she had to pee or something. Not like she was excited that this person she thought was going to be sent off to America was coming back that she had to pee. So I, like, sent my family a Snapchat about, like, who remembers the she has to pee scene? <laughs> <laughs> and we all just, like, went right back to memory lanes. Anyways, that's... Speaking of Cinderella, that's a random tangent. Drew Barrymore is a god, a legend, an icon. I love her. And Ever After is an absolutely great film. 10 out of 10. No complaint. And that's the first time I ever saw Melanie Linsky in anything. And that girl has, like, had a career in the last 25 years. Like, she went from, like, kind of bit character roles to, like, she's, you know, really in television. She's really blown up in the last few years, which great for her because she is fantastic and deserves all the recognition and accolades that she has been getting these last couple of years. Also, I will say I'm in a group Snapchat with my uh, preteen nieces and nephews. Well, they're like from the ages of like. Okay, so Snapchat is still yeah. cool then if the if the Gen Zs are using it. All right, I just wanted to make sure. They use it way differently than we use it. Like mm-hmm. I send videos where I'm like telling a story to my friends and they just send like pictures of like the ceiling and the wall and like half their face and like their eyeball and like everything means something different. And like, I don't know what any of it means. So sometimes I just send them like something really embarrassing um, to make them be like, Oh my God, why is my 31 year old aunt in the Snapchat with us? Um, <laughs> back to the book. Back to the book. Back to the info desk, everyone. Now that I, we took us on a Taylor Swift tour, a, Cinderella tangent and how Snapchat we think might still be cool. I don't know. You tell us. We're millennials. We don't know. We don't know what's cool anymore. 
We don't. We really don't. Oh, this part also. Okay, so going on about how Chrissy's look is iconic and how the info desk is god-awful and Macy just needs to quit. But this next part is honestly very near and dear to my heart right now as a new person at a new job. So they're talking about Chrissy comes into the library and she's like, oh, you should come get lunch. And Macy has mentioned a couple of times now when she was out with her sister and her mom about how, you know, at least she had someone to eat lunch with because Bethany and Amanda take lunch at the same time, but obviously they're bitches. So they never invite Macy. And now Christy has come in and is like, come get lunch. And Macy's kind of like, oh, it's complicated. You know, I'm not sure if I can do that, whatever. And she's like, you get lunch, don't you? Like, come to lunch with us. And I was literally just talking to my husband about this the other day. And it's really dumb. I've only been at my job for two weeks. So it's not like I work with mean people. Everyone has been very nice and very welcoming so far. But I, coming from service, I never used to get lunch breaks. And now I get a lunch break, which is awesome. I'm like so spoiled. I'm so happy every day when at one o'clock, I'm like, oh, I get to go like chill for an hour and eat. And like, this is great. And then I come back refreshed and ready to finish off the rest of my day. 10 out of 10 on lunch jobs, y'all. Or lunch, lunch breaks. Is what I'm, say. <laughs> I'm so tired. So anyways, so love that. The only thing is, is I don't really have anyone to eat lunch with yet because I don't know anyone that well. And it just like made me sad the other day because this other girl who hasn't worked there for that much longer than me got invited out by someone to go like get tacos. And I was like, no, I need to go get tacos. And then I'm like, everyone Aww. eats me. I'm not cool, whatever. And I was like legitimately very upset about it. So yeah, so I haven't found anyone to eat lunch with yet, which is fine. Sometimes it's nice to sit in silence. Like I've been liking going, it's so cold in our office that I just like going and like sitting, finding a place where I can sit outside sometimes. So that's nice. And then I can just kind of, you know, check up on Instagram and and whatnot. But yeah, it just sometimes kind of makes me sad that I'm like, oh, no one really seems to like want to, because a lot of them do group off and they're like, oh, did you bring lunch today? I'm going to go to such and such. Do you want to come? Or, oh, I'm bringing back food from this place. Do you want anything? And no one has asked me yet. And I'm like, cool, I'll just be here. <laughs> Hand by myself. <laughs> I love this scene too, because Chrissy, this is like very Morgan-esque, I feel like. Like we always mm-hmm. get these really confident female friends who like just tell the mean girls to like fuck right off like even in um someone like you haven would like was like death staring someone who was staring at scarlet in class for being pregnant and i was just it's just like yes i love this i love these vibes but yes they're just like amanda and bethany are just staring at them and then at one point christy's like what are you staring at me for and then they get embarrassed Christy, icon. She's the best, honestly. She's the best. And then she basically tells Macy, like, if that's the ideal, is that really what you want? Um, She's like, these people are obviously unhappy. Like, they're uptight and they're just not, they're not living their lives. And so Christy's like, so come to lunch with us. And she's like, okay, I will. Yeah, she's like, look at what this place has done to those girls. Like, they are uptight and bitchy and unhappy. And she says, but I was thinking about what it had done to me, being here miserable day after day. In so many ways, I was realizing the info desk was a lot like my life had been before. But had been before Wish and Christy and Wes. Something to be endured, never enjoyed. And, you know, I would I would just like her to just quit this job. 
God, right? Honestly. I thought this was it. I mean, yeah. I thought this was the moment Christy came in. I, you know, I don't want to spoil anything, but things might be coming up. But I, a, a scene that I think you will very much enjoy. I'm very excited. <laughs> and so then after lunch, she goes back and she's just like, she's like, I don't care about what they think about me. I don't want to be like them. I don't like them. And I'm happy about it now. So she's like finding her people. She's finding her groove. She's getting back to knowing herself. Yes. Yeah, I loved, I would never be like them. What was different now was that I was glad. And it's like, yes, you should. That's exactly how you should feel because you shouldn't want to be like those people because they're miserable. <laughs> and that is not what we want for you, dear Macy. Chapter 11, everyone. She's with Christy and Christy's getting her ready and she keeps being like, I think I'm going to go home. I don't really want to do this. Basically, she she thought she was going to sleep over Christy's house with Monica, but instead they want to take her on a date and they have to like sneak out because um, it's after curfew. This chapter is everything. I just want to say. I know every chapter, I'm like, guys, this is the chapter, but this chapter is has a very special place in my heart. So the boys show up for their little date, and, oh wait, before that happens, they go to the window, and Chrissy's like, just wait. This happens every night. Oh, yes. And then who runs by shirtless but Wes himself? Mm-hmm. And would you want to go on a date with a man named Sherman? No disrespect to an author named Sherman, but... <laughs> After you see that specimen running by shirtless, no, no, you wouldn't want to go out with Sherman from Shreveport. No, you would not. Especially once you get to the car and you see that he's passed out drunk in the back seat already. Yeah, that's going to be a big no for me. Thank you. Which this scene is so funny in a sense because, again, you know, I love my girl Christy. She's one of my, my favorite side characters of all time. I think she's an absolute icon, as I've mentioned before, and will continue to mention as we finish reading this novel. But. I love that this happens and she's just like, yeah, all right, Macy, see you later. I know. <laughs> like Macy came over and I know the point was to go on this date. And I know that two of the three gentlemen are still conscious and not passed out drunk. But so I was like, okay. <laughs> Bye girl. <laughs> Bye, girl. <laughs> Peace. Deuces. And she's just like, okay, girl, you didn't stay here. It's fine. So they drive away. And she gets kind of distracted by the beautiful garden that's all around the trailer that they live in. And she walks into the garden and she's like, just like blown away by like how beautiful everything is. And then she finds this gorgeous statue that was obviously made by Wes. And it's of Stella. It's basically, she is like turning into flowers like she's got flowers all over her she's like a a garden goddess again this is another reason why i need this book to be turned into a movie because i just want to see all these statues so badly (laughs) i know and then who shows up the one and only wes showing up in a like magical garden with a magical statue that he made with his own two hands god y'all the romance (laughs) i can't just like just it's just and he scares the crap out of her basically which he's been calling her name for a few minutes coming down the road because again they kind of all live on the same like off the same dirt road and 
he's been calling her name and she did not hear him because she was so just kind of entranced by the statue and the garden and you know just the whimsicalness of everything and he comes after her and he says her name and she's like it was the gotcha of all gotchas <laughs> and she like basically has a heart attack and he's like i was calling your name like i didn't mean to, didn't mean to scare you i was calling your name so yeah, that part is just very adorable. And because he scared the crap out of her, he says he's going to make it up to her. And this is the first time that they go and get waffles and he gets her a waffle scented pencil. And guys, <laughs> who knew you could love a, wa- a waffle scented pencil as much as I do, but I do. This like brought back, this memory like was like, pulled out of like the deepest depths of my memory i was like oh my god i remember this pencil in this date well it's not a date but like it is a date it's a date it's It's definitely a date they are neither of them yeah we'll admit to calling it that but it's a date and yeah this is kind of where we learn that wes is sort of a regular of worlds of waffles and he said he used to come here was it Uh, right after his mom died when he like couldn't sleep he was kind of going through some insomnia and then he kind of just now comes here for inspiration so yeah like it seems like all the servers kind of know him and I just love world of waffles I love that it's like this sticky waffle house place and Wes just goes and hangs out there and brings Macy on this really adorable date and he gets her a pencil and she's just oh just all just very adorable to me so it's very adorable yeah, we also have a waffle in our logo because I said, I, I remember, I think the direct quote when I sent you the mock-up was, there are waffles at some point, right? Because I remember the waffles, <laughs> but I don't remember what book it was. And here they are. And I was like, yes. <laughs> yes, it is a very, so yeah, this is actually a very much like the first Hate Spinnerbait drop from this lullaby, which is where we get our name. This is where we get our logo. It's from chapter 11 of the Truth About Forever. So there you go, everyone. Now you know. That's where both those things come from. I mean, I'm pretty sure you are already kind of assumed (laughs) where the waffle came from. But just in case you weren't clear. So yeah, this is kind of a big one for us. It's a big chapter. And I love it. Oh my God, seriously, these pages keep, she keeps like wanting to flap back. This book is very well loved, everyone. The binding has gone a little bit. But this is where she's also kind of talking to him about just how great his art is. And she's like, you know, talking about the way it works. And he's like, look at you getting all, you know, meaning driven on me. Next, you'll be telling me the piece is representative of the complex relationship between agriculture and women, which is a little, a little call back to how Caroline uh, talked about his, his art. And she's like, you know, I'm not my sister. And I just think that's part. Like everything about their conversations it's just so like easy and funny. Like I love Remy and Dexter and how like charming, like we always talk about how like charming Dexter is and like just their, their banter. And I feel like this is the exact same thing. Like their banter just comes so easily. Like they just play off each other very well. Like there's a lot of comedy, even though a lot of times they're talking about things that are very deep. And yeah, I just love that they can talk about the deep things and they have these serious moments, but also he can get her a waffle scented pencil and they can just kind of make fun of each other a little bit as well. And I just, guys, man, they're so great. I love them. So (laughs) great. It's this whole scene. Like 
<clears throat> there's a reason that even though my memory is challenged to say the least um i remembered these this waffle scene being important because it is it's so cute they're just like chatting about his art and the meyer school and everything and stella being there for them when the her mom was sick and oh and then they get the waffle and it's the best waffle that macy's ever tasted yes which oh i love a waffle very much so all that waffles i think that they are heavenly and i love they have kind of this whole conversation about how you can have religious experiences that aren't religious and she was saying like Mm -hmm. it's something you know this thing she thought of about her dad this next little bit is kind of uh, a long passage, but I wanted to read it because I really liked it. Um, she says, I ate another piece of waffle. When my dad first died, all I could think about was that day. It's taken me so long to be able to think back to before that, to everything else. Wes was nodding before I even finished. It's even worse when someone's sick for a long time, he said. You forget they were ever healthy, ever okay. It's like there was never a time when you weren't waiting for something awful to happen. Awful to happen. But there was, I said. I mean, it's only been in the last few months that I've started remembering all this good stuff, funny stuff about my dad. I can't believe I ever forgot it in the first place. You didn't forget, Wes said, taking a sip of his water. You just couldn't remember right then, but now you're ready to, so you can. And it's like, yes, exactly. Like you were finally coping with things and it took, you know, letting yourself not be perfect. It took meeting all these friends from Wish and kind of having a little bit of chaos come into your life for you to finally start, you know, finding a healthy coping mechanism. And, you know, obviously we've said before, and I'll reiterate again, like grief is a, a terrible beast and it's a really hard thing and everyone kind of reacts to it differently. But I think that's the thing is you get so stuck in that, the, the sad stuff, you can't remember anything past the sad stuff. And I thought like they both had very interesting points, like her perspective, her dad was taken from her suddenly. And all she can remember is that day. And then Wes's perspective is he had to slowly watch his mom die. And both are terrible. Like neither one wins. And both of them could only think of that really bad thing for the longest time. And then inevitably you start to remember, like once you kind of finally can move past that one thing, you don't remember them as just sick or just, you know, like how Macy found her dad, which again is unfathomable to me. Like that's so sad and so scary, like to be, have been in that situation, especially at such a young age. But mm-hmm. yeah, I love, you know, Wes saying like, you didn't forget, you just couldn't remember it then, but now you're ready to, so you can. It's like, yeah, exactly. And it's like, oh yes, like she's coping and she's finally addressing her grief addressing the elephant in the room and I just love everything about that passage and it kind of this book just deals with grief so phenomenally I feel like like so many yeah Delia's passage that we've talked about you know a couple episodes ago and now this and I was just like oh yes like all of that is is so true Mm -hmm. yeah and then Wes talks about how he still finds his mom's um, lists all over the house I guess she used to make like a bunch of lists shopping lists goals for the year what she had to do the next day all that sort of stuff and he still finds them around the house um, here and there and then this kind of connects back to Macy getting the easy products sent to her all the time and they're both like we tried to find meaning in it but there's no meaning in it it's just like a nice thing that happens basically all this is just happening at the the world of waffles like what a what an iconic place i want the world i mean i know the world of waffles is basically waffle house so it does exist but you know how 
movies and like the uh, TV shows that they have like a really popular thing like Central Perk. They do like the Central Perk pop-ups all the time for friends. I want there to be a world of waffles pop-up for Truth About Forever fans so we could all just go and have a waffle scented pencils and talk about what a great book this is and it was so yeah they're just kind of talking about the lists and how world of waffles is a special place to west because even when his mom got into her health kick they still would stop into world of waffles on road trips and stuff and yeah it's just all they're just having a very lovely date again they don't want to admit that it's a date but it is and then once all is said and done, she just goes back to Christie's and like gets her little sleeping bag on the floor. And then she literally like basically cuddles up with her little like pencil, which I just think is the cutest thing. And inevitably Christy and Monica, you know, make their turn through the window and uh, the d- date did not go so great. Um, on the other hand, I think Macy is the one who ended up winning by going out with Wes that evening. So she had probably the better night. And then she, now that it's morning, she, you know, goes back home. Her mom is there and she's like, oh, you know, where were you? And she's like, oh, you know, Christy like made breakfast and stuff. So I ended up staying a little bit longer and, you know, didn't expect her to be home because her mother is basically always working because that's what she does to avoid coping with her grief. And this is when they, um, she's kind of asking about like, again, one more goddamn adult checks in about this freaking library job. Her mother's like, how's the library? Everyone's always just so concerned about the freaking library. I know. And this is where she kind of tells her that she's concerned about her because she found out through Jason's parents who she ran into that they have broken up and not through her own daughter because as we mentioned earlier Macy had not told her mom that her and Jason were on a break and so she was like oh you know I just didn't want to like I didn't want to make a thing mom because it's like just a break and whatever and her mom's like I'm concerned about you and it's like Jesus Christ (laughs) yeah I know this is like one of those moments that we get from Destin a lot where it's like the mom is just not understanding her daughter's like needs or knowing anything really about her life at all and is just like making these crazy assumptions and directing her down like the completely wrong path like if actually what you should be doing is you should be like you should quit this job because jason sucks and this place sucks and wish is way better for you mentally but if i would have told my parents the job that I had taken over for the summer for my boyfriend because he was at brain camp, that boyfriend broke up with me. My parents would have been like, and you can break up with that job. (laughs) Girl, you don't owe him any favors. (laughs) Right. Especially because those two girls are so mean to her, but I don't think she's told her mom that yet. Like this is, this is all coming back to like, like she says, even when she realizes her mom's home, that she like smooths out her clothes, fixes her part, makes sure she looks perfect before she sees her mom. And this is, this is kind of where we get that, that stuff where her mom's like, her mom wants her to be perfect because it makes her think that she's okay. Like it's, it's, it's the show that she's putting on. Her mom is believing. Yes. And she says, Macy, all I'm saying is I want to make sure your priorities are straight. You've worked so hard to get where you are. I don't want you to lose that. And Macy says, again, I could agree with this, but 
Well, for her, it meant how I'd pushed myself to be perfect, gotten good grades, scored the smart boyfriend, and recovered from my loss to be composed together. Fine. Just fine. For me, it worked in reverse. I'd been through so much, falling short again and again, and only recently had found a place where who I was right now was enough. <sighs> Dagger through the heart on that one. Yeah, I mm-hmm. also have that bit highlighted because... Yeah, I just can't imagine, like, your daughter finally seems kind of happy for the first time in a long time since your husband passed away, and your first response is, I'm concerned, and I know you had goals, and this year's a big year for you, and the SATs, and this, that, and the other thing, and yes, I understand as a parent, like, you want what's best for your kid, and you want them to do well in school, and get a good education, and all of that jazz, but... I think overall you just want your kid to be healthy and happy. And I feel like she is finally getting toward that. And that just makes me so sad that she's like, you know, that what I am right now is enough and that she hasn't felt that way in forever. And that just breaks my heart. But yeah, her mom in this scene, I just get so mad at because I just can't imagine. Yeah. Just seeing that your daughter is actually like finally doing okay. And basically kind of being mad at her for it. Yeah, she's saying, like, uh, now I hardly see you, and I can't help but wonder if the two are connected. And it's like, I wrote, oh, my God, Mom, enough of this. Because it's like. <laughs> I wrote a note of don't even. <laughs> <laughs> she starts, like, traveling on about the SATs and da-da-da. I'm like, don't even. Like, please, God. Like, <sighs> I think it's that she sees macy like becoming her own person and like splitting off from the like plan that her mom has and it's making her mom like panic and be like oh my god what's happening like i'm losing control of the daughter i had control of and uh, and so i think that's and and macy doesn't want her to feel that way because macy like like most destin main characters is like obsessed with making sure her mom is okay at all times so Yeah. And I do feel, I mean, I really feel for her mom in a certain way. Like Mm -hmm. it's obviously it's very sad to have your husband die at any point, but she happened to have it happen when one daughter was already leaving the house and she knows she only has a finite time left with the other daughter in the house. And I know a lot of parents struggle with empty nest when their kids grow up and move out of the house and, and go off and start their own lives, but they have each other and she doesn't like, she won't have anyone. So I think for her, it's like Macy is the only person she has left. Like Caroline has gone and married and left the house. Her husband is dead and Macy is the only person she has left. And yeah, you know, Macy talks about her need to be perfect for the need to have control. And I think her mother is kind of very much the same way, which Macy has stated before. Like she was always more like her mom. Caroline was always more like her dad. And, you know, her, her and her dad had that connection with running. Like that was their thing. But like personality wise, she's always kind of been more like her mom and, yeah, so I just think it's like her mom, this is her only person left in, in a sense, yeah. and she sees her start to pull away. And I could see how for her mom that would be very scary. But yeah, again, at the end of the day, if what you want for your kid is what's best for them, then sometimes them pulling away a little bit is that's what it's going to be, you know, even if that is a little bit sad for your, you know, what you need mom, you need a therapy but B, you need, can't recommend therapy enough for most of these characters. Usually I'm like, you could do for some therapy. But also yeah. she needs, you know, a, a community. She needs some friends. And 
not to work so hard. So I think, yeah, she needs to find some kind of league, you know, and that summer the mom kind of found her little divorce, you know, maybe like a grief group or, you know, other people that knows what she's going through or someone she can make friends with. I don't really know what she likes to do besides constructing houses and being perfect. But (laughs) if she has any kind of hobbies, you know, like if she could join a knitting club or something and make some friends. (laughs) We should find Caitlin's mom from Dreamland. Yes. Yeah, that's true. They could be friends. They could like collect porcelain dolls together. They could. They could. (laughs) Oh. So then she goes up to her room. Oh, wait. I had something else highlighted before that. So then, you know, her mom's like satisfied with her answers. You know, Macy's like, I'm not going to lose sight of the goal. I'm not going to, you know, change who I am as a person, whatever. And her mom's like, you can talk to me whatever you want, like all the time. Jake talked to her, blah, blah, blah. My brain is starting to uh, deflate. <laughs> her mom is like, you can talk to me about anything, whenever. And she's like, okay, great. Um, and Macy's like, of course, I can't tell her anything. Like, I- I've been wanting to talk to her for over a year about what was bothering me. I wanted to reach out to her, hold her close, tell her I was worried about her, but I couldn't do that either. So it was just a formality, what we just agreed on. A contract I'd signed without reading the fine print, but I knew what it said. That I could be imperfect, but only so much. Human, but only within limits. And honest. To her or to myself, never. So it is like, she's like, my my mom says I can talk to her, but I can't really because I can't really break this right. like facade or she's going to freak out, which she's already displaying because Macy's like happy hanging out with these people doing this catering company. And her mom's like, um, I don't know these people and this is different. Are you on drugs? I don't like change. Yeah. Are you on drugs? <laughs> it's clearly drugs, right? <laughs> but then she goes upstairs to her room and she finds a shopping bag with a note from Caroline that says, hey, sorry I missed you, um, but I found this in the beach house and I'm not sure what it is, but I thought you should have it. And then this is when Macy realizes that this is the Christmas present that her dad promised her, but wasn't able to give her because he died the day after Christmas. Um, and she just decides like, it's not time for me to open this right now. Like I need time to like process the fact that I have this before I can even open it. Like I need, need time. So she puts it up with her easy products and we'll see, we'll see what it is later. Yeah, to be to be continued on that. I that honestly is such a big thing. I can't imagine like for over a year, she's built up this gift in her head. So I can totally understand that when she finally gets it, her not wanting to open it because it was like this promise, this thing that's it's almost like a myth to her, you know, and here it is like it's just it's this box and she has no idea what it is. But I totally understand her being like, I can't even imagine like what's going on in her mind when she gets that. And it's just like Carolyn being like, Oh, here, I found this. (laughs) And it's like, you don't know the like myth that she's built this thing up to in her head at this point. So yeah, she's just like out of sight, out of mind. Mm -hmm. I'm not ready to process that yet. And I'm like, yeah, girl, I totally understand that. Also on a completely unrelated note before we dive into chapter 12, one of my favorite things, and I, we've been doing this podcast now for months and I don't know how I've never said this, but 
obviously the word room comes up a lot because people are going to the rooms, whatever. It's one of my favorite things that you say. because It's like one of the times where like Northeast comes out a little bit, like the way you pronounce, pronounce that word. And I just think it's really cute. <laughs> so every time you say it, I'm just like, no, to myself. That's like my husband. He is from Long Island, like born and raised on Long Island. And his parents have very thick, like there's no mistaking that his mm-hmm. parents are from Long Island if you spend a second with them. But overall, my husband doesn't have a pronounced like Northeast accent or Long Island accent or anything like that until he says the word drawer. And then it comes out completely. In his so I like to try to get him to say it as much as I can because I think it's adorable. I've had to adjust. I've had to teach myself how to say drawer because I was saying draw. Like I was like, it's in yeah. the draw. It's in the draw. And um. <laughs> I started getting made fun of a bunch for it once I moved. So I like trained myself to say like drawer, but sometimes I will still like catch myself being like, it's in the draw. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> I think it's the cutest thing. Keep saying it like that. <laughs> I love it. It's a 10 out of 10 for me. Uh, chapter 12, everyone. Shall we? Shall we? we? Shall. Another, another, dare I say, iconic chapter. <laughs> another iconic chapter. Every chapter from here on out, just prepare for it to be iconic because it's great. All right. I have a tangent to go on pretty early in this chapter. Oh, God, I'm so excited. (laughs) I'm so excited. So chapter 12, it opens with them playing Truth again in the car. And she says, what's your biggest fear? And Wes says, clowns. So my husband, my my soon-to-be husband... Um, His father uh, tragically passed away when he was um, about 14 and his dad was like a total character. He was an artist. He like was a door to door salesman at one point, a truck driver. Like he is just like every time they talk about him, he's like a mythical character. I swear to God. And he was really into clowns. Interesting. Like like old timey clowns it was like his thing i guess they had like clown art all over the house there's still like a couple pieces here and there um that his mom has kept but i don't think they have like the extent like i see pictures of them when he was still alive and there's like (laughs) clown art everywhere and so when we moved in with my mother-in-law she was like cleaning out the garage and she was giving andrew some of his stuff and one of the things she gave him was a fucking clown Uh. face a clown face that his dad had bought him for his nursery and was hanging up in his room as a child so it's like well we have to keep the fucking clown you can't yeah you can't say no to it you got the dead dad clown so now i just have this like clown that like stares at me while i sleep and i'm like oh my god what it's in your room now yes it's in our Oh, oh, that's so disturbing. Oh, yeah, I couldn't sleep with a creepy clown staring at me. But yeah, you can't say no because it's like this sentimental piece. But oh, that's disturbing. Why did it have to be clowns? <laughs> I know. But like when we move out and we get our own um, apartment again, we'll put the clown yeah. like in the in the main yeah. living area. But like right now it's in the bedroom and I'm like, oh, my God. And sometimes he'll like move it closer to me and stuff. <laughs> and I'm like. That's so mean. <laughs> get this thing away from me oh my god it's it's frightening Clowns it's really terrifying. frightening Especially but i old timey ones always look even more terrifying yes Ooh. yes they're old timey clowns and i guess at one point um coca-cola did a clown like 
thing where they had like a bunch of clown merchandising and stuff so that we have so they have like a bunch of those like coca-cola clowns too it's that is strange. very strange. It's strange. I'm sure he was a wonderful but I, guy, but why the clown collection, sir? I do not agree with <laughs> I wish I met him so much. Like, he sounds like he was so cool. He wore, like, bolo ties. Oh, and, yeah. Like, he had, like, big, like, uh, curly hair. And, like, he painted a self-portrait that we found in the garage. And I was like, oh, why is there a picture of Bob Ross out here? And... <laughs> Andrew was like, my that's dad. my dad's self-portrait. <laughs> what an absolute um, icon. Bolo t- I respect any man who can rock a bolo tie, 100%. That's awesome. Same. It takes it takes a very specific person to yeah. rock a bolo tie, especially if you're not from it's Texas. Very true. Yeah, if you're from Texas, not as uncommon to see, but everywhere else, if you have the the gojonas, the, the, the gumption and the bravery to wear, I respect them. I think, honestly, the question, when I was in... Wyoming for a wedding one of the caterers had a bolo tie and I complimented him on it because I loved it I was like oh my god I love your bolo tie and he's like not many people know what it is this prize show the tournament I'm like how do people not know what a bolo tie is it's great how do yeah. people- I was like you yeah, live in Wyoming like, but I guess he works at a resort in Wyoming so obviously not people are from there but still I was like what that's crazy now I like want to wear a bolo tie to your wedding <laughs> oh my god you should. I've always really you wanted should. to wear a suit to someone's wedding. I don't know, like, I don't know why I have this thing. But I, like, love when women wear, like, tuxes or, like, cute stylish suits, you know? My officiant actually at our wedding wore a suit. She was like, should I wear a dress or a suit? And I was like, suit. I love it. And she had, like, this jersey boy, like, very sparkly jacket. And I love it. And now I'm, like, envisioning myself in a bolo tie, like, suit outfit. <laughs> Everyone else will be like, what the fuck are you wearing? But I... You should! I'm committing to the bit right now. I can't promise the bolo. No, I'm going to promise the bolo tie. I'm wearing a suit to this wedding. I want to. I really, really want to. Because I've always wanted an excuse to wear a suit to a fancy function. And this is my time. (laughs) This is it. I'm doing it. This is it. There was like a, on the bridesmaid dresses, they had like a jumpsuit option. And I wanted someone to buy the jumpsuit option. So bad but nobody did everyone bought dresses but i was like someone had the jumpsuit i and i'm such a person i'm like i'm a very girly girl like i love dresses and whatever but i think it's so like i don't think it's like unfeminine to wear a suit like i think suits are just so cool like i love the um a friend of mine whose wedding i attended uh the guy had a best woman instead of a best man and she wore a suit and oh my like i just thought she looked so sharp like you wear like a suit and you like wear with like heels and like oh like, that's the hottest thing, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, when Anne Hathaway wore, like, a suit, it, yeah, like, any celebrity, mm-hmm. when they, like, wear a suit on a red carpet, like, if they're a female, I just think it's, like, amazing. I love it. I think they look great. I'm doing it. Anne Hathaway in a suit is a work of yeah. art. She really pulls off a suit, like, very, very well. I think she should wear a suit always. <laughs> just every day in her everyday yeah. life. Going to get coffee, wearing a yeah. suit. <laughs> Yep. Aubrey Plaza oh my God. can also she rock really a suit. Can. She really, really can. There's there's so many. Like, so many just absolutely wonderful women who can just rock suits so well. Yeah. Aubrey Plaza really, really can rock a suit. That's so true. She's great. I love her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyways. Okay. Back to the book. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Everyone's like, I've said this on the recording. So, it's happening. I have to do it. Because if not, people will call me out on it and be like, Bethany, you said you were wearing a suit to my plan's wedding. Where was the suit? So, 
Yeah, I'm doing. And also, like, what a better time to do it than in, in a, like, a span of three days when I have two weddings to attend. So, like, one wedding, I'm going to wear a frou-frou frilly dress. And the next wedding, I'm going to go do it, like, rocking up in a suit. <laughs> hmm Yes. Do it. Absolutely. Day. I'm doing it. All right. Chapter. Where were we? Chapter. So, uh, in it. Wes is. Yeah. Wes is afraid of clowns. That's what started this whole tangent. I'm so sorry, everyone. I have a clown in my bedroom and here we go. So yeah, she's like, that's not your real fear. And he's like, no, it is. I am really scared of clowns. And so now she's starting to say like, oh, I know a lot about Wes now. They have this like ongoing truth game that they just like consistently play. And since they're both so quote unquote competitive and not quote unquote falling in love, (laughs) they are answering all of the questions. And he asks her what's the grossest thing that's ever happened to you and i'm not gonna tell the story you guys read it and it is gross um mm. but also shout out to mountains market we get a mountains market oh yeah back again. we do yeah we're not we're not gonna retell that story because it's gross yep <laughs> but she says he knew i wouldn't pass he wouldn't either we were both totally competitive quote unquote but really there was more to it than that at least for me i liked this way of getting to know him these random facts and details each one like a puzzle piece i examined carefully figuring out how it fit in with the rest if either of us won it would all be over so i had to keep answering and also we get this really sweet moment where she asks him what he worries about the most. And he says Bert, which is just a sweet big brother thing. But also we get to know a little bit more about Bert and about how he like these Armageddon conventions mean so much to him. And he's like, everything he feels, he feels strongly, too strongly sometimes. I think he freaks people out. And I was like, not me. I love him. And Bert is giving one of those people. I think we said this a couple episodes ago, but I'm going to say it again, that high school is not his time yeah. like he's gonna thrive like in his 20s like college era time like that's when ev- everyone is just gonna love Bert because I love Bert and yeah high school is a tough time and people are very judgy but yeah he's really gonna thrive I think one day as somebody who feels their feelings extremely strongly and loudly um I relate to Bert and I love him and I love that he's just this little is this the first time we're hearing about the Armageddon stuff though he they kind of brought it up because he was getting dressed for that event so that it's been brought up before uh briefly so this is kind of our second mention of the armageddon that is so interesting yeah what an interesting and people and and this is a thing like armageddon truthers or people that are very into like the end of the world and stuff like that and i was like i don't know how that can be a hobby for you because i would be so stressed out all the time if i thought that the end was nigh I'm stressed out now and I don't think that the world's going to end tomorrow. So I can't imagine if, you know, like, I know like the, the reality of climate change is like too real for me to like join an Armageddon group. It's like, yeah, I mean the, my Armageddon group is my life. It's my life. It's just the word. Like there's, there already are like the, it is already the end times. Like there's, a pandemic there's climate change there's whatever like i don't need there to be some like asteroid you know whatever theory like it's things are bad enough (laughs) so we're back in the book and christy (laughs) is kind of saying like that it's weird that they play this truth game 
And I don't know, Chrissy is like so sketched out about her and Wes. It is strange to me. I think it's because she's like trying to get Macy to like admit to what's really going on. Yeah. And Macy like won't. And she's like, she's like, how do you know that he's telling the truth? And she's like, I just know. Like, I just know. And yeah, it's very cute. And then this is when we get to see Bert. Oh, this is where we get the the shirt thing. Mm-hmm. I've like had it in my mind that that had already happened. But this is happening now. Bert needs help getting ready for the Armageddon convention or gala or something. And he reeks of cologne. He's put way too much on because he's Bert and that's what he does. <laughs> so she goes to their house and she's like kind of shocked by how neat and clean it is. And, you know, there's a bunch of art everywhere, including Wes's art. And she goes into Bert's bedroom and there was a huge poster behind him, which took up the entire wall. It said simply attention Armageddon and featured a graphic image of a blue earth being shattered to bits. The rest of the room was decorated the same way with posters proclaiming the end is nearer than you think. And one that said simply mega tsunami, one wave, total annihilation. <laughs> and it, <laughs> it's like, burp, 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 burp. Are you okay? Are you okay? This is what you, I mean, I have a clown in my bedroom and it's hard to sleep. I can't imagine having a giant sign that says, attention, Armageddon, the end is nearer than you think. Like, oh yes, let me just peacefully sleep now. The end is nearer than I think. Total annihilation. That's what I want hanging on my wall. Like what? Yeah, I want it. That's going to be our first shirt, guys. Total annihilation. (laughs) Total annihilation. Shopify hates Spinner Bay Pod. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah, it's again. I just think it's very stressful to if that's your hobby. I I don't disrespect anyone's hobbies, and he's clearly found a little community through it, and that's awesome. But I just think it's very stressful sometimes. It sounds so stressful, but you know that's our guy. That's our man, Bert. That's our boy, Bert. Yeah, one hundred percent. EOWs is what they call themselves. Other end of worlders. <laughs> I love everything about this. It's so good. Oh, oh my God. Bert. Like, how how could anyone not love Bert? Like, come on. He's so lovable. Come on. Bert, you little, you little, he's just, yeah. He's our Bert. He's our little baby. So she's she's trying to help him get dressed. He's very stressed. He wants to make a good, opinion, um, good impression. And she picks out the striped shirt for him to wear, tells him to wear a tie. And Wes comes out of the bathroom. His hair's wet. He's shirtless. He's looking good as always. And Wes starts to kind of help them get ready because Bert doesn't know how to tie a tie and he's freaking out. And so Wes does it because Wes was like, I had to learn when I was in court, which again, it's like court, like guys, come on, what are we doing to these kids here? You're making it way worse. I mean, but that's a criminal justice system in a nutshell. But anyway, (laughs) moving on. I'm really, I'm just thinking of all the tangents we've gone on. <laughs> so, um, Bert gets ready. He's really excited. Wes drops him a 20, even though Bert says he doesn't need any money. And I just wrote Wes with a heart next to that because that's just like so cute. It's a cutest little brother relationship. Stop. I can't. So then Bert goes to be with his friends and he's like, I'm sleeping at Richard's and he's gone. 
And so Macy kind of turns her attention to Wes's room, which is a little bit more minimalistic, we'll say, than Bert's. And he sees a picture of his mom. And she's beautiful. She looks like Wes. And it's just like a really one of those really nice pictures that you're just like, wow, who took that picture? And why don't I have one? True. I also like that at first she thought that it was his girlfriend, Becky. And he's like, no, it's my mom, which it obviously makes sense why he would have a lovely photo of his mom up in his room. But of course, she's like, oh, your girlfriend. And he's like, girlfriend who? <laughs> he's like, mm. uh, whatever. I'm in love with you. It's fine. So then he's like, all right. Well, I'm going to a party in Lakeview. Shout out to Lakeview. Mm-hmm. Do you want to come with me? And she's like, sure. Because they're in love. It's like she happens to stop by and she was like walking from Delia's and she helps Bert in a crisis and he comes out freaking shirtless. They have a nice little moment talking about his mom and then he's like, want to come to a party? And these bitches don't think that they love each other. Wake up, children. Wake up. You're in love. (laughs) Oh, God. <laughs> and yeah, they go to this party and it's, you know, kind of in full swing. And it happens to be that Christy and Monica are also there. So she they run into them. And Macy kind of is, as we mentioned before, a little bit of a lightweight. So she ends up kind of getting sucked into this game of quarters. And she gets a little bit drunker faster than she anticipated. Like she was just kind of going along for the ride with Wes because he was dropping this thing off and they were going to go in real quick and then probably head out, I presume. And instead they kind of get separated and she ends up getting stuck in this thing. And yeah, she starts getting a little drunk. And then this guy is kind of a being a little handsy, being a little dick. And that is where like because she kind of goes over there to like hang out with christy like christy's the one who kind of calls her over and then she even kind of loses christy because christy goes off with this guy which you know again um mike land can confirm or deny house parties i assume they were crazy you would be losing people left and right again i was not a cool kid who went to that (laughs) that was not my high school experience i'm sure i went i was at parties where there were a lot of people and so anyways so she's kind of like oh no this guy who she's calling hanger frank is kind of pulling her she's all like i don't want to go with you and then Wes kind of comes in and she ends up sort of like grabbing his hand to get through the party um this scene kind of reminded me a little bit of in this lullaby when dexter kind of comes and like saves the day for Remy, this is a little bit reminiscent of that. So she says that I felt his fingers loosening on my wrist. I was wrapped around my own, mine wrapped around them, tight and held on. So yes, she kind of just grabs onto him to get her way out of there. And um, she, when she, they kind of like get outside, she was like, oh, sorry. Like she realizes that she grabbed on him and she's like, I didn't mean to to grab your arm. It was just so hot in there and, and things were happening and whatever. And he obviously is not bothered by it. And he's just like, oh, like, wait here. I'll be right back. Because he finally found the person that he was supposed to drop off this stuff to. And of course, this is where Monica happens to be there. And she realizes that she was there the entire time. 
and she feels like she kind of needs to explain the situation to Monica. And um, she says, uh, it was just one of those things I said, you know, that just happened. You don't think or plan, you just do it. And Monica, of course, in her typical, you know, way, doesn't say anything. And she's like, you know, I was expecting at least a mm-hmm or don't even. And she just kind of stands there staring at her because, again, everyone can see it but you, Macy. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Wes is basically like, let's get out of here. And so, yeah, so she's okay. And she's like, oh, you know, I'm fine. And they go to the quick sip. Hey, shout out to the quick sip. And he gets her a big old bottle of water and some aspirin because, again, our girl Macy, like myself, felt lightweight. Uh, so she felt a little more she could chew in that game of quarters later than she knows. So she feels a little bit better drinking her water. And they end up getting back to her house. And they're just sitting outside kind of in his car. Or is it like on the tailgate or something? I'm not really sure. But they're sitting outside of her house, like in his car, basically. And they continue their game of truth. Yes. And he says, um, oh, if you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? And she says, I wouldn't be so afraid. If I could change anything about myself, that's what it would be. So basically, she's just saying, like, she's breaking out of her. I need to be perfect. I need to do everything perfectly to kind of actually find herself and figure out what she actually needs. And, but she's still struggling with this like fear of doing anything to fear of like switching it up, fear of upsetting her mom, um, of doing things that aren't planned or laid out in advance for me. She was just, she could be more impulsive. And he's like, give me an example. And she basically says she wishes that she could talk to her mom a little bit more openly, but she just doesn't feel like they're in that spot yet. And then, yeah, she's like, if I could, I would just walk up to my mother and say whatever I felt like saying right at the moment. I tell her how much I miss my dad or how I worry about her. Maybe it sounds stupid, but for once, I just let her know exactly how I feel. And he's like, that's not stupid. Like, you should he's like kind of being like maybe you should talk to her about it in like a very not direct way um but she's like that's my problem i don't talk to anybody about what's going on in my head and wes is like well what about this what about us what about yeah what what about us yeah yeah girl yeah (laughs) and yeah and she's kind of like well you know this is different or whatever and he's like the point is he continued ignoring this, that you've told me a lot playing this game. And while some of it might be weird or heavy or downright gross, it's nothing I can't handle. So you should remember that when you're thinking about what other people can deal with. Maybe it's not so bad. Which is honestly very good advice. God, Wes, you're so smart. That is, yeah. Very, and, and talking to her mother, but yeah, I mean, just in life. Like, I think sometimes, yeah, we try to walk on eggshells around people and it's like, oh, people can handle more than you think they can. Right. Why don't you let them tell you what yeah. they can handle and what they can't handle instead of just assuming? Yes, exactly. And then she calls him extraordinary here. Uh, and then she's like, as this came out, it was like someone else had said it. I just heard the words, even agreed with them. And a second later realized it was my voice. Oh, my God. I thought this is what happens when you don't think and just do. Yeah. What happens is good things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
So then they have this moment where they're like staring at each other. They're so close. There's a moment. There's a moment. And then they like, and then she kind of breaks out of it. And she's like, okay, it's my turn. We, I I would have kissed him. Nothing would have stopped me. If he'd been any other boy and this was any other world, I would have kissed him. Nothing would have stopped me. And it's like, this, nothing should stop you. Kiss him, kiss him. I was like, like, I remember. Okay, so rereading this chapter, I converted back to 13-year-old Bethany who read this for the first time. I remember reading the chapter vividly and being like, they're going to kiss. And then again, now as a 31-year-old woman, I was like, kiss. And they don't. don't. (laughs) And it breaks my heart because they're meant to be. But you know what? They just need a little more time to realize But we do get a little moment because she's like, what's one thing you'd do if you could do anything? And this is when he passes. Because I think oh! we all know what he would do. We all know why. We all know why. I was like, oh my God, we know what he would do. And he passed it. And this is such a big moment. And like, this is big. And I forgot that it happened. Like, obviously I remember that this happened, but I forgot that it happened. Like he passed on a question with about a hundred pages to go. I was like, oh wow. Like I, in my mind, thought that that happened a little bit later on. But yeah, he already, he's passed. And it, it's a big deal because this is, their thing like this is what they've been doing this is how they've been getting to know each other they don't pass on anything and you know I think Macy thinks that it's a pretty like innocuous question that it's not really that big of a deal and he's like pass and she's like you know what this means right and she's like okay you have to ask me a question and so I think he I obviously understand why he passes in this moment because again I think we all can agree that we know what he wanted to do if he could do anything but then I think it kind of dawns on him like oh shit I've passed like the game's almost over and like this is our thing So he's like, no, I can't ask you a question right now. Like, it's going to be a big question. It has to be a hard question for you to win the game. So I have to, like, stew on it a little bit, and I'll get back to you. So, yeah, like, that's where we leave them, is that he has passed. They definitely love each other. Wes definitely wanted to kiss her in that moment. And let's face it, Macy wanted to kiss him right back. And now he has to come up with a really good question to ask her so she can, you know, win the game or whatever. I hope it's, like... Do you want a date? <laughs> and she's like, truth? Yes. Like, Absolutely. <laughs> let me get my purse. Yeah. yeah. Date you. Love you. Marry you. Have a great life together. Absolutely. Let's do, Let's it. do it. Let's go to World of Waffles right now to celebrate this decision. And he's like, right on. Um, you let Jason know that he's an absolute prick for me. And she's like, will do. <laughs> yeah. That would be, that would be a great oh. question. So yeah, we have not like a lot of the book, but a good chunk of the book left. And we're just, again, we've talked about how great the chapters start. They just suck you in and how great each chapter kind of ends on a cliffhanger. But if that isn't just like the biggest cliffhanger that you're like, ah, mm-hmm. he's and he has that, what is the question going to be? Mm-hmm. So, so many good unanswered things. What's in the box, Macy? What did your dad get you? What is the question going to be? So how did the Armageddon fair go? Yeah, I want to know. How did all the end of worlders enjoy themselves? Bert, give me a full recap. I'm dying to know. What's the next great outfit that Christy's going to wear? These are all the things that we will find out next week when we come to enjoy the next three chapters, which is one, one, which is on 13. So 13 through uh, 15. Yeah. Yes. That's how math works. That's three chapters. Um, so yeah, when we read the next three chapters, we'll find out I don't know, a little bit more, hopefully. I'm so excited. I just love the truth about forever so much, guys. <laughs> so much. I know I'm so excited to 
keep reading and hearing more. So, everybody, follow us on Instagram. Tell your friends. Tell your sisters. Tell your cousins to listen to us. Read Sarah Dustin's books. Um, and join our Patreon. We're going to have a, some Patreon exclusives coming <laughs> up. And also you can join our Discord and chat with us about all things Dustin and Taylor Swift and whatever else you want to talk to us about. We're, we're our own little League of Weirdos in that group. And it's lovely. We'll be having merch coming soon, so keep an eye out for that. And that's all I got. If anyone's going to the Taylor Swift concert this week, have a amazing time. Send me pictures of your outfits because I'm yes, obsessed. I'm living for all the different eras. Everyone, yeah, we want to see eras pics. What are you going as? Mm-hmm. What era is it? We need to know. We need to know. We need to know. We need to see pics. We need to know. Are you having issues with the merchandise? Is it fading for you? What are your lines like? This is the big like controversy right now. So if you've gotten a shirt, a merch shirt, let us know if yours is holding up because I don't know if I want to wait in line if it's going to not be good quality. (laughs) So anyway, have a great week, everybody. Take care of yourselves. Do some self-care. Buy an ice roller for your face. They're amazing. True. They're really good. And we'll talk next week. Yeah. Read read some truth about forever. Take care of yourselves. Uh, and we'll see you real soon.